0: What's going on, everybody? I hope this finds you striving and thriving and doing absolutely amazing. My name is Brian Martin. I'm a second grade teacher and host of the Teaching Champions podcast. And we have something special going on for you. We have the Legacy of Learning book study, and I am joined by the two amazing ladies, Megan Lawson and Olivia Chan. How are you today there, ladies?
1: That's a great question. I'm kind of giggling about our pre-conversation. I feel like saying, I'm doing okay. And then I want to invite Livia to ask me her question.
2: (laughs) So one thing that I always say is when somebody says, when I ask, how are you doing? And they say, I'm doing okay. I would almost always, if I have time, will say, what would make your okay better, Megan? I love
1: that. You know what? My okay is about to turn to better because I get to talk to the two of you.
0: (laughs) That was was perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So we're going to dive in a little bit deeper into the legacy of learning. Now, last week, we were talking all about the first two chapters, and we were talking about like that happiness, how 31% happier, how that triggers learning and makes those connections deeper inside the classroom. Then we got into perfectionism, self talk, and I can't wait to dive into our next topics this week because today, we have chapter three, Ridiculously in Charge. What's that all about, Meg?
1: Well, I think it's really easy for us to lose sight of the things that we have can have impact on in the classroom and at school. I hesitate sometimes when I use the word control. We don't mean to sound like we're going to try to control everything, but I think we can all relate that there are a lot of things that we don't, quote unquote, control in our schools or districts. Um, and those kind of things can impact our classrooms as well. And sometimes the weight of that can cloud our ability to see what we do have influence over, what we can impact. Um, and really, the thing that we will always be able to control or impact is ourselves. You know, it starts with ourselves. And that's, you know, like we spoke about last week, the way that we talk to ourselves is a great example of something that we can have influence over. But I wrote an entire chapter on this because I think it's really easy to lose sight of. It's something that I continue to struggle with. And so uh, it's very empowering to be able to recognize like, why well, I can make a difference for myself or other people in these key areas. And so I wanted to spend some time unpacking different areas that impact our our daily life. And it, one small example would even be work email. You know, I used to be somebody who was constantly checking my email all day and I wanted to make sure if I got one that I respond. I was being, you know, in the name of being a highly responsive professional, I was constantly sort of tuning into that even more so than other things. And I don't think our students necessarily need teachers who are highly responsive on their email all day. What they need are teachers who are present with them and deeply interested in them and value the time that they have. With them. But I think there's a lot of teachers who feel this pressure to be in multiple places at one time and allowing ourselves to be in one place wherever our feet are planted that we're fully there, allowing ourselves that gift of presence is something that I write about. And so now I'm working to just check my email at the start and end of the day. And if something's highly timely and urgent, it's amazing how people can find you if you don't respond to an email within an hour. And I also (laughs) joke. I joke in the book that if we constantly are just replying to emails all day long, right away, we're sort of sending the message that we don't have anything that's more important to do than sit around and wait for people to send us an email, and that's not the, how it goes at all, and not how I think any of us want it to go. So, this one small example of an area that I unpack in that chapter. But I'm curious what kinds of things come up when you think about being ridiculously in charge.
2: Well, for me, it's I think it's learning about setting my own boundaries. Because I think when you have, when you wear many hats, there are many things that are on your to-do list and must-have-done list. And one thing that I've learned is that a lot of these things, these deadlines are arbitrary, right? That, you know, short of having things that are due by a particular time, there are lots of moments in my day that I can respond to these things and what you prioritize, And you get to do that, you get to make that decision. And that is in my control. And I think learning that piece has made such a big difference in my own well being. And that's part of why why we're here is to kind of share some of these things that work for us. And not saying that it's going to work for you. But like, just even hearing, I learned so much from other people, just hearing what are some Strategies and things that they do in their lives that I can maybe try on for size and go. Hmm, I kind of like that mindset, or I kind of, I, I really appreciate that perspective. And then, you know, we all are the people that we are because of all the learning that happens, or all the the things that other people share. And that's why I love listening to podcasts and reading articles and reading books and and all those sorts of things. And so I think it's just like I said, what can I try on? that other people um, have, have worn and, and actually works. And so I think that's one thing that, um, and I also kind of go with what, what's going to bring me the, the most joy. Right. And, you know, I, sometimes when I think about work emails and, and things like that, at the end of the day, to me, is still about building a connection and a, and a relationship. So what used to be, Oh, I have all these emails I have to respond to uh, has turned into wow I get to connect with all these people and so once once I shifted my mindset it it actually became more joyful to do and so in my email responses it's always I always have the same purpose because it's always about connect uh, building a deeper connection so it's about you know what how can I start that's positive um I always include their name because names are so important and uh, what can I say that is uplifting and what can I what can i share that's authentic appreciation for this person that's in my life or something that they're doing and i didn't realize i was doing this until somebody actually called me out on it and said you know every time i read an email i always feel uplifted and that's when i realized i didn't even realize i was doing this but then it 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 just him noticing it just made me realize I like doing that and I know it's making a difference I'm hopefully making an imprint in their heart when I, when they read their emails and they look forward to reading my emails too, as opposed to, okay, another email from Liv, you know?
0: <laughs> um,
2: so I think it's just this, this thing that I, I've discovered that I really enjoy doing because it's a part of connecting and make, uh, working towards a deeper connection,
1: right? love that. That's a
0: totally yes. perspective
1: about emails. Uh, and I also think, um, and I, th- I write about this. Sometimes you get emails that the person is highly emotional um, and has some strong feelings that um, the situation is hard and it feels a bit negative. And I talk in the chapter about giving myself permission to reply, but actually invite that person to a conversation, whether that's in person or on the phone, so that we can Grow that connection, like you said, and so that they can hear my genuine interest in hearing their perspective and understanding more about where they're coming from and working together moving forward versus sometimes, um, in those kinds of situations when emotions run high, it is hard to convey that, that kind of emotion and not have it maybe be misinterpreted with, you know, punctuation or word choice. So just think, you know, sometimes it's easy to forget that you have that choice. You don't always have, you know, you can reply so that they know that you got it, but also invite them then into a conversation. Just because it was an email doesn't mean that everything has to go back in an email, right?
0: Yeah, hey, I, I think that's so important and so good. Like, let's have a conversation. Like you said, things get lost in email sometimes. And those hard conversations, they're not easy, but it's important and to keep that connection to move forward. I think it's uh, invaluable to have those so, and as far as like ridiculously in charge for me, I heard a sports psychologist, his name's Michael Gervais. He works with, or he did at the time work with the Seattle Seahawks. And he talked about like with his players, these NFL players, he preached, and we always hear it like control the controllables. But he said he takes it one step further and he says, you have to master the controllables, the small things, those micro habits. And, you know, we, last week we talked a lot about like knowing yourself and, you know, it's highly publicized. Like they push the like the grinding mentality where, you know, zero sleep and you just keep going and pushing yourself and they say, like, science shows that's so far from the truth. So, you know, it's goals. I'm not really good at it sometimes. But when my best self shows up, number one, it's that seven hours of sleep. And they say, like, get that seven to eight hours. Number two, working out in the morning for myself, getting getting it rolling early. And number three, I'm drinking lots of water like cognitively like getting that water into the body is just uh, so important small things and other things like knowing inside your day what brings me joy and seeking those out every single morning my the kindergartners I'm the first classroom in the hallway they line out up outside my door and we I go out there and we try and, I do a 10 second countdown and we try and time the bell And then they walk by and I give them all high fives and everything. And it's a neat, fun way for me to start my day. And then I read a book and it's slipping my mind right now. But inside the book, it talked about, you know, connecting with others. And then when we say ridiculously in charge, like how can I make myself have a better day? They said one way is through connection. And it's not just connection. In school setting, we're always preaching about the student's. But it's also the colleagues, the adults inside our building. When I have a strong connection with the other adults, I think it's a better workplace environment. And uh, because we need to release, uh, have those people that we can release, like the tension and all of that with others. And uh, so inside the book, it says, ask five authentic questions and deliver five authentic compliments. And it gets down to, you know, being present. Being where your feet are at, paying attention to those moments, those atomic interactions when I'm curious about who you are. And I take a second. I've learned so much at a photocopier. And maybe the ladies run away from me at the photocopier. I don't know. But if I'm sitting there and I'm just running off some papers, being curious about them. And they have a lot different interests than myself. But being curious about them and if they have something going on on that weekend, coming back on Monday and having a follow-up question about the event that took place in that weekend. Little things that we do that can put us in a good place going forward. Now, we got chapter four coming up and one of my favorite chapter titles, Mosquito Moves. What's that all about, Meg?
1: (laughs) I heard a quote once that's a tribute to the Dalai Lama. That says if you think you're too small to make a difference, you haven't spent the night with a mosquito. And I mean that visual alone really gets you thinking. Like, oh, it is really hard to fall asleep if you think there's a little mosquito flying around that might give you that irritating bug bite. But then if if you apply that thinking then to anything, it's like okay, sometimes we make things feel really big in our head, and has to be this huge, grand thing, and we can become overwhelmed by that and at times speaking for myself that, that can make me even want to shut down or not try I think we've seen that happen to some students in the classroom at times too and if instead we could think about things in smaller think um, Olivia talks about atomic interactions like tiny little moves that we do consistently over time we can still make great progress and also be well in the day-to-day attempt of achieving that that goal so, and I know last week you talked about Johnny Cuff, who I referenced in this book, because he uh, wrote the book Finish, which he wrote for perfectionists. which I, you know, when I saw that, I was like, okay, well, this book's for me, for sure. So sign me up. And I <laughs> gobbled that right on up. But he just said, you know, that a lot of times we set these really big goals. And then we have these unreasonable expectations for what we're going to achieve in a day. Like, it's like saying, it, you talked about the water drinking as an example, which comes up in, in my book. Um, it's like saying, Okay, uh, I'm somebody who's just getting my water right now from whatever little bits in my coffee and in the melted ice in my diet coke or whatever it might be, and then saying, starting today, like I drink a gallon of water a day, um, and just assuming that you're gonna be able to just maintain that on a daily basis. Now, some people maybe like they, they can. But if you end up quitting after a few days because you're just feeling so um overwhelmed by that, um full with all that water, uh, then quitting, uh, Look at the whole year. You did that for a few days and back to your old habits. You're drinking less water than if even if you had committed to 32 ounces a day and you stuck with it consistently for almost every day of the year. So it just really got me thinking about setting ourselves up for success and to start by lovingly acknowledging that it's okay to have
2: a goal that's more reasonable. Mm -hmm. And we talked about this before before we hopped on, but the idea that you mentioned in your chapter about the power of one percent. Right. That you know, you broke it down into like you know whether it's thirty seconds or, um, and I think I think at the end of the day, it's all about building healthy habits for ourselves so that we can improve our well being. You know, like we said in uh, last week, it's it's about it's about how do we take care of ourselves so that we feel whole when we walk into the buildings or when we even when we walk back home, right? Like, you know, how do you unpack all what happened during the day so that you're whole when you're going back to your your loved ones uh, and uh, there and I think you you mentioned uh, atomic interactions and that's something that I coined the phrase and I just really believe in that that you know when you break it down to every atomic interaction as an opportunity to make a connection or to lift your, even yourself back up one thing that I makes me think of is just in the classroom so I we do a lot of sign language and uh, one thing that I taught them is how to sign I love you with your one hand. And sometimes it's just, it takes a second. And if I am in one part of the room and I look up and I see another child who happens to look at me at the same time, it's either me who initiates it or they do. But we just flash each other that I love you sign. And instantly we both feel like we're loved. We both are reminding each other that we love each other. And that love brings joy and happiness and going back to your first chapters about happiness leads to more growth and progress like you know all these mosquito moves these atomic interactions go such a long way because they build on each other right they every interaction builds on each other to build the kind of relationship that you want to have or to build the kind of culture that you want to have or the kind of just positive space that you want to have. And so we, you know, that intentional um, way that we make or how we move forward with our atomic interactions goes such a long way.
0: Yes, yes. Being intentional with them it is so important. And one quote that I live by that's so important, it's a mantra in our classroom that I heard, um, little by little, a little becomes a lot. And, you know, just like you're saying, stacking them up, working off of one another, starting slow, reminds me like many years ago, I wanted to run a marathon and all I had ever done is run two mile race for the military PT requirements and never did like a 5k, a half marathon, never did those small steps. I said, oh, I'm just going to run, you know, a marathon and and I put the training in, but, uh, I thought I could run a marathon race like you ran a two-mile race where you just go out and and put yourself as hard as you could. And uh, it did not end well. So it's just uh, understanding that a little by little, a little becomes a lot, that we have to work towards our goals. Understanding, I think, it's really important with our students that they all learn at different rates and different speeds And sometimes we need that reminder. I know Liv Liv probably can relate. Like we're doing regrouping. We just started it this week for math. It takes some patience. It's it's the toughest concept mathematically for the students to pick up in second grade. So, but every single day, it's just like little by little, a little becomes a lot. I need to remind myself of that. And I remind my students of that. And I think it's important from very early on that we uh, let our students know, that success just isn't achieved overnight, that it's so much behind the scenes is putting in that effort, doing those small acts, those 1% moves, those tiny moves, those atomic interactions. Now, chapter five, Meg, you have nourish the bloom. What's that all about, my friend?
1: Uh, Well, uh, there's a quote at the start of that chapter about how we don't, when we See that a flower is struggling. We don't judge the flower. We look at the conditions that the flower is growing in, and we we therefore would adjust the conditions. And I think um, you know we're we're growing human beings, not flowers. And you know, but we are a connected ecosystem, and our well being is connected with one another. And so I think really mosquito moves ties in nicely with this because I think there's so many small, like Livia says, atomic interactions. I just love um, that phrase of hers so much that contributes to nourishing the, the well-being and the growth of other people. But this uh, s- story at the start of that chapter is actually comes from my friend uh, Lou, who's a plant champion, I think is the language I use mm. for her uh, in the book. But she gave me this beautiful peace lily. And she warned me when she gave me this peace lily that, that it was going to be sassy and that it was going to require a lot of attention and a lot of water. And I thought, oh boy, I've already set myself up for failure because I just <laughs> have not been one that's been able to keep plants uh, alive and well. It's still thriving. Uh, Thriving might be a strong word, but she lives on. A couple of years (laughs) later, I've still got this peace lily. But the thing that she warned me was that this peace lily, it will grow uh, blooms off of it. But if I want to focus the energy on on leaves, I needed to cut the blooms off so that the energy of the plant could be pushed into the leaves. And it got me thinking about how many gifts and talents, unique gifts and talents, every person brings to the school. That's our students and our staff. Our students are not empty vessels that just show up waiting to be filled up. They bring their own gifts and talents that can contribute to our school community. And, and yet there's so many things that, um, in the name of standardization, um, fairness, um, that uh, I think are easy to overlook uh, And the individuals that, you know, could be bringing some just unique, beautiful, um, opportunities and experiences into our school that it's easy to overlook if you don't set your mind to truly seeing other people and the value that they bring and then also empowering them to contribute um, to the team um, so that not everything is a heavy lift whenever somebody's leaning into the strength that they have on our team and I'm leaning into this strength and suddenly, you know, we've got this this band that's playing really well together. You know, like my friend Sean uh, Gaylord with my little band reference. Yeah can't bring up music (laughs) without giving him a shout out. So a lot of that chapter is about how do we um, empower more of the people um, inside the school students and staff alike to um, lead and contribute with their gifts. And then also how do we name for them that we see that in them and that we appreciate it um, because that's going to continue to grow that positive energy and that happiness. But it's also how we achieve more when we all aren't trying to do it all well. When in fact we can lean on each other, where we draw energy, and so I think that's what a lot of that chapter in particular is about. Is what does that look like?
2: Mm, yeah, that you know, um, there are three words that that alliteration that always resonates with me, and that's notice, name, and nurture. And I shared this when I was on. Uh, on a number of podcasts but on Lainey Rowell's podcast evolving with gratitude and that's something that I I gathered resonated with her and it's it's the things that we see in each other right and in our students and colleagues and like you said Megan recognizing the gifts and talents and allowing that those things to shine and bloom and you know we we actually have a huge part in nurturing that and nourishing their blooms and so um, one thing that I started doing was just recognizing when uh, when students were showing leadership skills. So when, if you Google leadership skills, there's a whole list of probably I don't even know how many. There, it's endless, right? There's all those pro social skills and whatnot. And so, anytime that I saw it. Some leadership skills shining through, especially with the kids that need the most positive feedback, right? We talked, Brian, you mentioned the five to one. Different people will say seven to one or what have you, but definitely more positive than to, to negative. And so I'll just thank them for being a leader and I'll be very specific and I'll say thank you for being a leader by showing that you care. Um, you know, what whatever it is. And I just really believe that the more we notice it, as soon as you notice it, you need to name it so that they know, oh, this is what I'm doing so that we can nurture it. And it goes such a long way. And it was neat because uh, a couple of years ago, the kids caught on too. So whenever they notice something, because I only have you know one set of eyes, but there are 29, when I taught intermediate, 29 other students that have a set of eyes that are also noticing leadership skills. So once in a while, something will happen. And then another child will go, thank you for being a leader. I'm like, Wow, that's pretty cool because you're also doing, you're like a little mini me now. You are noticing your classmates showing leadership skills and so recognizing and acknowledging. And really at the end of the day, you're empowering them to do more of these positive interactions, right? And so I think that's, it, you know, when you when you talk about how collectively we can achieve more, I also think about uh, podcasts that I listen to, Gratitude Blooming, um, that's Omar Bronson and Belinda um, uh, Liu. I think that's how you say your last name. Um, and and their second season is all their theme for the second season is collective acceleration. And I love those two words together, collective acceleration, because we can't do this all by ourselves, right? How do we collectively uh work towards the same goals? And what do we do for each other? And going back to your mosquito moves, it's all those little things that we do together, right? Um, And so one thing that I really resonated with me in your in this chapter, that you, I'll just quote you, it says, we do culture, not one day, but every day. And, you know, I would further that by saying, It's through every interaction, right? Every atomic interaction. And so I think everything that we do is is the more that we can help each other show how we shine, I think the more we will want to
0: shine. Oh, so good there, Liv. Absolutely love it. And uh, I remember uh, some Livia Chan was on my podcast talking about notice name. And nurture. And it's a a beautiful thing. And you do so many great things. What I love, Liv, is you're all about modeling. Last week, we talked about it with like the modeling for the students about celebrating your success, the effort that you're putting forward with the pats on the backs and the high fives and everything. And like here, setting up that classroom environment where you're talking about pointing it out about them being a leader so that the students now, they hear you. They see what you're doing, how you're speaking to others, and then they're doing it too. It's uh, so good, my friend. And, you know, that goes with the adults in the building. It goes with the students. It all starts, I think, with being curious. You know, Meg, you talk about it, not just seeing the the people that come into our classrooms as as scholars or the teacher next door just being like my fellow second grade teacher. It's seeing them as people and taking an interest, asking questions, finding out what are they interested in? What skills do they have? There's so much that we can discover about other people, but it takes us sometimes asking questions. And it could be about topics that we don't really care too much about. But I care about Liv as a person. I care about Meg as a person. So that makes me because you're passionate about it, want to learn more. And you might also find that there's people because we get boxed in to our grade levels sometimes that if we go out of our way to talk about to the paraprofessional that we don't work with, or to the kindergarten teacher that's down the hall, that we have a lot of connections. We're a lot more alike than we are different. So I definitely uh Love everything that you guys are talking about and noticing. We can build off our strengths a lot more than we can build off our weaknesses. So finding that in others, really accentuating that, putting it out there. And the students need to be reminded of it. And, you know, we always talk about the tougher students. The students that get left behind sometimes are the quiet students that always do the right thing. That, you know, academically, maybe they're, they don't soar as high as some of the others, but they're not struggling. You know, they're right in that middle and uh, sometimes they fall to the wayside. So it's being very important that we make it an intention to go over to them and let them know about their strengths and see, be curious about who they are. Any final words, Meg or Liv, that you ladies want to add on?
1: Well, I would just say that it's interesting the more I listen to staff talk, uh, and I, I think that's where some of my best learning comes is from listening to teachers. I think there's a lot of teachers who feel like some of the students that you just described. They show up every day. They're doing their thing. They're not thinking that, even though I think they're special and they're doing amazing things, they're not thinking that there's anything that they're doing that's very special. And because they're not um, experiencing a lot of problems or, you know, drawing a lot of attention to themselves, they sort of just kind of feel unseen. Um, and I think if there's any leader out there listening, I would just encourage you to spend time seeing the incredible work that every teacher is doing. Um, often, you know, without any, you know, just quietly in their classroom, without any call for someone to come and pay attention to it. So um, just notice, noticing your colleagues, I think, is really powerful. But my my final thought is bringing us back to that power of 1%. Um, you know, if, I was talking to some teachers this week and we were talking about if You um, lose five minutes of instruction, you know, a day. Um, kids finish up early and we're kind of hanging out. You know, we were doing the math on those five minutes. And at the end of the week, you know, that was a pretty significant amount of minutes. It's no longer just five. And and it's a nice reminder of those mosquito moves that every little bit counts. Um, And not that we need to push ourselves to some kind of extreme. Like we want to be reasonable, finding the things that matter most, putting our energy into every little bit. So 30 seconds is... 1% 1% of a 50-minute class period. Four and a half minutes is 1% of a seven and a half hour a day. 14 minutes is 1% of a full 24-hour day. And I got that from Chris Field, Billion Hours of Good, where he just encourages us, you know, 14 minutes a day. Imagine if everybody spent their 14 minutes trying to make this world a better place, the world would change. Imagine if teachers spent four and a half minutes a day on something that felt really important. That's 1% all over that building. That building is going to change. So, yeah, we don't uh, culture something that we do, that we do every day. And um, a friend who used to work at, at Disney, who and she was taught, you know, that every interac- every interaction is an opportunity to grow the brand. So when you hear Olivia mm-hmm. talk about, like, what do I believe? What are my values? What am I about? That's her brand. Every interaction is an opportunity to grow your your personal connection with other people. And the last thing I'll say is I love Clint Pulver's book. I love it here. And he talks about there's two things that are really essential. High levels of connection, high level of expectation. So if the connection's really high, but the expectations are low, then we're friendly and and we like each other, but we're buddies and we might not see, you know, ourselves reach, um, you know, growth and progress in the way that we, that we hoped. But if expectations are high, and connection is low, then we're, we can be afraid. Um, We might like, you know, try to retaliate or undermine because we're scared that we can't meet the expectation because that connection isn't there. So high connection, high expectation, that both are important. That's for ourselves and for other people. And when that's true, then it's, it becomes more about, I'm setting this high expectation for you and I'm helping you get there because I believe in you and I know you can do it. And I think if we can learn to talk to ourselves that way, and if we can learn to talk to our colleagues and uh, to students in that kind of loving way with high connection, high expectation, and we set reasonable goals, and we just chip away every little bit every day, I think that's where the magic
2: starts to happen for us.
0: Hmm.
2: I love that. The connection between connection and high expectations. And I honestly believe that connections are gifts. Right, relationships are gifts given to us. And one of my favorite quotes by Simon Sinek is that life is beautiful not because of the things we see or do, but life is beautiful because of the people that's that's in our lives. And you know, I think just recognizing that in itself, and that's one thing that I actually said to one of the kids that was have in my class that was having some uh, a number of social Um, issues with other people and just trying to help him see like, maybe, maybe this kind of perspective might help is like, when you see these connections or um, relationships with your classmates as gifts, you're going to value them, right? You're going to treat them with a little bit more respect, a little bit more kindness, a little bit more love. And, you know, he's doing a lot better. And I'm not, I don't know if it's because of that, but you know, there's, we're, we're trying a lot of different things, but it, you know he's come such a long way, and I think, you know that that gift of connection is also applies to ourselves, right? Bring us back to last week's uh, episode about you know taking loving ourselves, like you said, Megan, and you know we get that from Brene Brown too—that reminding ourselves that that relationship with ourselves is so important, and just think, thinking about well, finding those moments, those uh that one percent. Just time for yourself to reconnect with yourself is huge in terms of building the strong, healthy habits for improved well-being, which is kind of what we're here trying to to encourage each other to do and to remind ourselves to do as well.
0: So beautiful, ladies. Now, as we wrap up here, my friends, it's challenge time. What challenge do you have for us this week?
1: I think we should identify what our 1% is going to be. You know, if we're going to focus on something, what you both have talked a lot about greeting students at the door, which I love, such a powerful move. Um, you know, you can, edu- there's an Edutopia article that will talk about how that'll grow um, time to task for students up to 20% and decrease discipline by 9%. So like, that's an example of a move, a small mosquito move that's not small. I mean, you commit to it every day, but that just that thing alone, over time can make a really big difference for students and their levels of connection, the kind of connection that Livia is describing with those gifts um, that people bring to us. Um, so I just think, what's going to be your 1%? Um, and, you know, define your 1%. Is it going to be 1% of your class periods? Is it going to be 1% of the day, um, 1% of the work day. You know, just give yourself some grace to not try to do it all and just commit to your
2: 1% and see what can happen. Mm-hmm. Just like your, your quote on the, I think you said it on the wall, the little by little, or was it bit by bit, Brian? And yeah. So 1% for others and 1% for yourself. So that would be my additional challenge.
0: Awesome. So good ladies. You two are so amazing. And when when you talk about like, uh, you know, we've been talking a lot about atomic interactions. I think life is made up of moments. And it's just embracing the moment, like being here with you ladies, embracing this moment in the schools with our loved ones. It's really uh, trying to be present and grabbing on to that moment for all it's worth. So this has been amazing for everyone that's listening out there. Thank you so much for being with us. Please encourage others. Share this episode. We want to make this Legacy of Learning Book Club so good and be sure to connect with us in the show notes so that we have a form and follow us on Instagram or X with the hashtag legacy of learning. And as I always say, we've been blessed with another sunrise. So have an awesome week, guys.
2: This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcasts. Now let's get back to the episode.